This is a Tech Briefs Media Group podcast. On December 6, 2015, two small satellites, or CubeSats, successfully launched to the International Space Station. As part of NASA's NODES mission, the CubeSats will soon communicate with each other and demonstrate the benefits of a networked swarm of spacecraft. In our most recent Who's Who at NASA interview, I spoke with John Hansen, NODES Deputy Project Manager and Technical Lead. For folks that might not know who, what the NODES program is, uh, what is the NODES program? So NODES is a demonstration. It's a, a demonstration of spacecraft networking technologies. Uh-huh. So we're looking to demonstrate ways of, have, of making swarms of spacecraft talk to each other. Uh, and NODES is two small spacecraft. They're one and a half U cube sats, so they're roughly 15 by 10 by 10 centimeters. So it's two spacecraft, and each one has a, uh, a particle counter on it, and we're, they're going to be making simultaneous uh, uh, measurements of the charged particle environment in, in, uh, uh, in space. And, but, you get, but by having two spacecraft separated by 10 to you know, 100, 100 kilometers, you get spatial uh, information about how, how things correlate in two different positions. Um, and then the two spacecraft talk to each other, and there's a captain and a lieutenant, and the captain says, hey, I want your data, and the lieutenant passes the data to the captain, and the captain downloads it to the ground. Uh, and um, then we're going we're, so to demonstrate the multi-point uh, collection of science data, and then we're also going to demonstrate um, the ability to command through the network from the ground. So we're going to send a command from the ground up to one spacecraft, and then it's going to forward that command onto another spacecraft. So we can demonstrate ways of controlling a network of lots of spacecraft uh, in the future. Right? They have a swarm of tens or hundreds of spacecraft, and I need to start routing commands through the network, and I don't want to have to talk to everybody. But I can talk to spacecraft A, and he can send a command over to spacecraft B, um, that I can't talk to directly. And then we're also going to demonstrate the ability of the network to uh, manage itself. So the, the two spacecraft, when they, um, you know, once a day, they're going to have a negotiation session where they decide which one of us ought to talk to the ground and which one of us ought to be the one that just passes data to the other one. Does that make sense? Yeah, and how is that decision made? Um, so there are, so we have some simple criteria. Um, so the um, the two spacecraft will exchange uh, information about you know well I have this much data that needs to get to the ground or um, uh, I have a better opportunity to get a, a pass. My pass is going to be longer than yours, or um, my battery state is better than yours. And based on just a hierarchy of of those uh, criteria. Um, decision is made about which spacecraft is, is in a better opportunity, uh, you know, is better positioned to be the captain and talk to the ground. And what will you learn from this NOS mission? I know you'd mentioned earlier the, uh, about charged particles. What else, uh, what can you learn from this data? That's being sent? Yeah, so, well, so it's a technology demonstration mission, um, and we're working with uh, uh, University of Montana, or uh, Montana State University. Um, who are actually the experts as far as the science goes, okay? But, we, but 
by making multi-point measurements, um, just specific to this science, we can learn something about uh, the way that the charged particle environment changes spatially, not just with time, right? I mean, we've flown lots of different um, charged particle detectors on spacecraft, but those are generally one spacecraft at a time. And it just goes around the Earth and collects these data, but you don't know the gradients, if you will, right? Like, well, I know that the charged particle environment got stronger here, but is it stronger here and also stronger 10 kilometers away? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, you know what I mean? Um, I think the most important aspect of it, you know, there's the science aspect, but there's also, it's the technology demonstration, right? And, uh, you know, the argument that I make is that with, you know, these two little spacecraft um, are going to do science that one big, very expensive spacecraft can't do because it's, it's doing science of making observations in two different points at the same time. And so what we're doing is we're exploring uh, and demonstrating technologies that are needed in, to be able to do missions like that in the future, and not just for collecting data about the particle environment, um, but about you know making observations of the Earth from multiple points all at the same time, or collecting magnetometer data, you know, and understanding the interaction between the the Earth and the Sun. <clears throat> a lot of different types of missions that that are really best suited to be uh, flown by lots of little spacecraft instead of one big one. Right. There seems to be some uh, applications down the road, right, with astronomy, with Earth observation, with solar Absolutely. physics. What kinds that of... Is, there, yeah, that's right. There are a lot of, of potential applications down the road, and we're just starting to explore, uh, you know, this as, as we've gotten to have small spacecraft that have lots of, you know, they have a lot of um, processing power uh, and a lot of capabilities that you can get out of these little CubeSat found that you couldn't get, it, get, you know, 20, 30 years ago. Right. Can you say more about the advantages of using CubeSats? Uh, there seems like an obvious cost uh, advantage as well. <clears throat> well, so if we're talking about swarms of spacecraft, right, I, I don't want to build a swarm of spacecraft with, you know, 10 spacecraft that each cost $100 million. Right. Um, and so the advantage is that by distributing the data collection, each one can collect a little bit of data, but in aggregate, I have a, a very um, robust map of some phenomena that I want to that I want to observe. Uh, and by using CubeSats, um, we can tap into the uh, this this you know sort of growing industry, if you will, right where where people are building lots of, of small, capable, but low-cost spacecraft. And we tapped into four nodes. Um, uh, you know, a lot of the, the industry that has already been built up around that, right? So we, we use a lot of cost hardware. Um, we also, nodes also is an extension of the PhoneSat series of space of CubeSats that have been flown out of Ames. And so central to the processing on nodes is a... Um, uh, uh, it's an Android uh, cell phone, essentially. Mm -hmm. And so we can take advantage of <clears throat> compact and low-power processing capabilities that are there for phones. Um, and in addition, we use the magnetometer that's on the phone uh, and, the, and the, the, the men's gyros that are on the phone as part of our um, attitude control system. So there's a lot of capabilities that the industry has built up to support you know, people uh, 
you know, um, with their cell phones, right, um, that we can take advantage of uh, for these spacecraft. They were launched to uh, the International Space Station on the, um, the uh, on Orb 4, which is the Cygnus Atlas launch out of Kennedy. Mm -hmm. And they have been on Space Station now for the last few months uh, in the NanoRacks uh, deployer. Um, and and uh, we're co-manifested on two spacecraft, or in a tube with one other spacecraft. And we're awaiting deployment, which we expect to happen in the uh, beginning of the middle of April. Mm -hmm. And so we'll be launched in, from Space Station. Our spacecraft will be you know, shot out of the tube and put into an orbit that is um, uh, similar, but they, they launch them in a way that they don't uh, impinge on Space Station in any way. So no safety issues there. But um, we'll be in a sort of 55-degree inclined low-Earth orbit, mm -hmm. around 400 kilometers. And, and so over the course of, of uh, you know, a couple of weeks to a couple of months, the two spacecraft we expect to drift apart slowly. Um, but we'll get the, the mission in with the two of them communicating with each other, you know, over uh, two to four weeks. Uh-huh. And wh when will the, the demonstration happen? It, it happens immediately. So the spacecraft are very automated. They come out of the tube, and they immediately... Um, uh, you know, they check the charge state, they get charged up, and they immediately start trying to communicate with each other and perform their mission. Um, you know, and, and so they'll be communicating with each other, passing data back and forth, doing that negotiation that I talked about right away, and then as soon as we can get a ground contact, we'll send the command up to it, and, and it'll get sent over to the other spacecraft. Can you review with me the command distribution between the space and the ground? Okay, so there's... there's Two kind of independent experiments going on. So, on the one hand, we want the two spare, the two spacecraft to take the data that they collect, pass it back and forth um, between them to then downlink it to the ground. So, um, one spacecraft is called the captain, and the captain is the only one that talks to the ground in that at that particular time. Mm -hmm. Okay. And we, and as an aside, this this experiment repeats every twenty hours. So it starts all over again every 25 hours. Uh -huh. That way we can restart it. And, and So at the beginning of that, they'll have the negotiation, decide who's captain. Um, then four times in that 24-hour period, the captain will send a message over to the lieutenant saying, hey, do you have any data for me? And the lieutenant will respond and say, yeah, here's, here's all the data I've collected uh, um, on the Earth's, uh, the Earth's uh, charged particle environment. Those packets of data are stored in the um, captain, and then once a day, the captain will say, okay, it's time for me. I'm coming over um, uh, my ground station. I'm going to put my data. And at that time, then, it will make contact with the ground and load this data. At the same time, then the other experiment that I mentioned, which is how to command through the network, will happen where when the, the spacecraft makes contact with the ground, um, the ground upload a command um, it's a, a fairly simple command to um, for the spacecraft to do something. And, and so we'll go up to that captain, and then at the opportunity, the captain will send that command to the other spacecraft, demonstrate the remote control of a network of spacecraft. And that spacecraft will um, perform a, a function, which is um, it checks to see uh, you know, how many files have been produced in a file system and responds with some data. 
Can you talk about your job and your position uh, and your responsibilities as part of the Nodes mission? Yeah, so I'm the, um, uh, I'm the project manager, um, co-project manager with Chad Frost, and I, I run the team for day to day uh, and have been involved with Ames in, a, in several different projects here. Mm -hmm. Um, we have a team of, um, well, it's very kind of tailed off, about six or seven people that um, put the spacecraft together. Uh, it, was, it was based on the, on the design that already existed called Edson. So it's based on um, another spacecraft mission uh, that we did here at Ames called Edson, E-D-S-N. Uh -huh. um, and... Uh, Waiting for launch of this, and we said, "Well, we have enough extra parts. Let's um, uh, let's you know put together another spacecraft and do some other experiments." And so we, the team, got together and, and we uh, assembled um, two more spacecraft and, and updated the software to do some extra, these extra commanding and networking experiments. Edson um, actually, unfortunately, was lost on a, a launch failure back in November. Mm -hmm. um, but our two spacecraft are up there uh, to do this mission. Um, and uh, we're funded um, through the Small Satellite Technology Program Office. What do you think is most exciting about the possibilities and what can be accomplished with a network of satellites? Well, so like I, like I said before, to me, the exciting thing is that it's, there's new uh, science and new types of missions that can be formed with swarms of spacecraft that cannot be formed with one with one spacecraft. You know, I like to say that that you, know, you can, um, you know, a few little spacecraft that might be, you know, a, a few million dollars a piece, and you can do a mission that just cannot be formed with one spacecraft, no matter how expensive it is. Mm -hmm. You can fly a billion dollar spacecraft, and if it's only one spacecraft, you can't do the kind of science you can do with a swarm of little spacecraft. Um, so, uh, um, you know, that to me, that is, it, it just opens up new horizons for the kind of science that we can do, um, you know, by being able to observe phenomena on the Earth from different points at the same time, mm -hmm. uh, you know, to reconstruct, to, um, you know, do, uh, you know, synthetic aperture radar imaging, to do observations of, um, you know, astronomical observations by having, you know, a collection of spacecraft that are a large aperture that you just couldn't create with a single spacecraft, right? But I've got, I've got, you know, a dozen little spacecraft out there, each of them, um, uh, you know, a replica of the other. Um, and in aggregate, they form this, uh, this large aperture that um, allows us to uh, explore a new, regimes of, of science that we just couldn't do before.